Well, it must be Sunday afternoon in Cherokee County, Alabama, because here I sit again with two of my favorite people in the whole wide world. It's True Crime on Easy Street, coming to you live from Easy Street Restaurant, Bar, and Performance Hall in Center, Alabama. And I am sitting in the room today with a couple of liars. Ooh. Uh Uh-oh. Because I asked you guys a couple of weeks ago if it looked like I had gained any weight, and you both went, oh, no, don't be silly. I've gained 10 pounds in the last six weeks. So you guys are liars. I'm going to doubt that. It's true. You must carry it well. Well, I've got it all tucked in. Mm. right now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, I've gained man. 10 pounds. I weigh 180 pounds. That's the most I've ever weighed in my life. And you guys looked me right in the eyeballs two weeks ago and said, nope, I don't think so. Did you so weigh I, with I your shoes on? I, no, I weigh as soon as I get up in the morning before anything happens. I've just got on my, you know, t-shirt and shorts that I slept in. If we will go back to that conversation, you said out of your own mouth, uh-huh. the scales are not telling me that. I think something, time. I think the scale wasn't level a couple mm. of weeks ago because I've got down and, and fiddled with it this morning mm-hmm. because I just, I felt like I had gained a few pounds. Yeah. And so I fiddled with it and got it reset to zero exactly and kind of dropped it from an inch high and it's something under there reset. Yeah. And now it's accurate. Do you have a digital scale? No, it's a dial. Mm. So. I don't know. Maybe off. I, I stand maybe by is. my comment. You don't look like it. All right. And then Katie gave us chocolate today. Yeah, thanks, Katie. Scott Wright, mediocre journalist <laughs> here today. Kelly Turner, not a doctor. Katie Givens, not a lawyer. So I told you yesterday, I saw you out. You were working. You were finishing up today's podcast. And by you, you mean? Katie. I mean, Kelly. Oh, wait. Who am I looking at? You sure? Yeah, I get mixed up. I okay. don't have my glasses on. You guys both look the same from this distance. Okay. It's um, just two blurs. That's, I'm sad for Katie about that. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> There's no. quite a bit of age difference. <laughs> um, I told uh, Kelly yesterday, I started, it was an accident. I got to playing around with my Alexa unit at home. And so I just said, play true crime on Easy Street. And it reset to the very first episode. Um, and again, apologies for that one, guys. Yeah. <laughs> but I listened to the first three or four minutes and then I said, okay, skip. And it skipped to the next one. And I found myself spending about an hour just listening to the first three or four minutes of the first 15 or 20 episodes. Mm-hmm. And you can hear us get more confident and more comfortable with each other as we go along. So that I just never listened to the show that way before mm-hmm. and heard those snippets from the very beginning played in sequence. And hear the progression. Yeah, and, and, uh, but you can hear us Yeah, getting better at it. Nice. So, Well, Celeste um, made a comment yesterday when she was talking with you and I, Scott, when mm-hmm. we were sitting at a local bar. Yeah. And... Um, Easy Street wasn't open yet. No, was not. And uh, she said uh, she has been catching up and, and listening. Yeah, and she's, she's like, got- I think you guys get better and better. Yeah. And so thank you for that, Celeste. Yes, we yeah. appreciate it. Celeste... Uh, Lambert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She works at the bar that will not be named down the street <laughs> where we both were yesterday. Oh, she works at the pub. Yeah. yeah. The like local pub. We're here in Cherokee yeah. County, Alabama, Weiss yeah. Lake. It's, you'll figure it out. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Um, I have, I don't have a shout out, but I have uh, an announcement to make. Okay. Uh-oh. You not really it an out of your pocket Katie like is. you're accepting I know, an award. Katie hates it when I pull things out of the breast pocket of my shirt. So I tried to make sure I had something here today. Okay. I was looking at our website statistics this morning. Okay. We have a visitor or have had a visitor from New Zealand in the last month or so. Welcome, New Zealander. Yeah. So welcome out there wherever. In, yeah. Tell your friends. You're in Auckland. Yeah. Spread the word. Mm-hmm. I'll send you a box of those business cards that we threw all over the streets in Miami a couple of years ago. So just <laughs> scatter those. I around. bet they don't 
Litter New like Zealand. Litter in New Zealand. Yeah, probably yeah, not. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Uh, you guys heard about the radio station in Alabama that had its, it made the national news. It was in the New York Times yesterday. This happened about two weeks ago in Jasper, which is northwest of Birmingham. It's on okay. I-22 if you're headed from Birmingham to Memphis. Okay. You'll go right past Jasper. Somebody stole the local AM station's 200-foot-tall radio tower. How? I have no idea, and neither does the guy who owns the station. Like He sent his construction crew out to do some landscaping, or just it was time for the spring spruce up, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they got out there and called the guy and said, hey, um, it's Not gone. Here. The whole tower, 200 feet tall, weighed about 3,500 pounds, made out of metal. So far, it has not turned up at any local salvage yard, mm. but it's stolen. And so, How do you even get, to, get that down the road? I think they probably had, they had to spend some time out there because they had to cut it into dozens of pieces That's what, yeah. and load it onto several trucks, I would think. Seems like a lot of work. It does I don't seem know like that it would a lot, be a, a big, lot of work for maybe a thousand dollars in scrap be metal. Big payoff. Yeah. It's going to cost them sixty thousand dollars to replace the antenna. <gasps> Holy crap! So they have started a GoFundMe page, and it's oh, up to nineteen thousand okay. five hundred dollars. And you guys owe me five bucks a piece because I donated fifteen dollars this morning. <laughs> now you can go to wjlx 1015com and there's a link to there. Donate some and donate. Uh, that's yeah. insane. You know how much it costs to put this podcast out into the world? 59 cents every week. I have no idea. No, nothing. Yeah. Fall free. I felt like, <laughs> like I was this, aiming high with it, 59 cents. It feels like they should be able to figure that well, out Well, they're still a streaming. Better. They've still got their streaming and they've got their app, but they don't have an AM broadcast. You still have to have the AM. And they've antenna. got an FM station, but the FCC requires that if you are like right here in Cherokee County, Weiss Radio mm-hmm. is on AM and FM. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If someone were to steal their AM tower, they couldn't broadcast on FM until they got their AM tower back up and running. Is oh, that, so, I so didn't that's know what's that. happened in Jasper. I didn't either, but that's what's happened in Jasper. So they can't do anything except stream online until they replace the AM tower. Then they can turn their FM radio back on. Is oh. this kind of like a situation, like a Walking Dead situation, where you can still, where we need the ability to still be able to tune into the radio mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. yeah. Shit hits the fan. Right. Although a lot of automakers, not a lot, but some automakers have stopped or they're in the process of stopping the, the uh, uh, putting AM radios in the car. Really? And there's AM radio stations have kind of tried to get together and push back on that because if something were to happen. You yeah. need that. You need the AM radio. the internet goes out, you yeah. need, you've got, that would be how the word yeah, of some panic would spread. You can't log into your satellite radio without i mean all that's you that's got all the internet yeah you still have to you need the ability to get an am yeah station well that's what's the that's what the am stations are arguing yeah you can't take us off the air because we are the last line of communication if something mass communication. goes goes wrong if something were to happen and the word needed to be spread as quickly as possible the internet's out there's an emt the grid uh, goes down in the sky and it knocks out every yeah. electronic device in the world except transistor radios. You're going to wish you had an AM station to well, listen to. I don't even think a lot of people will be able to even crank their car if that happens. No, that's so, right. Unless your car is maybe older the cars, than the mid-80s. Maybe the cars will push back and say, you can't tune into the AM radio if it won't crank. Yeah. And so if that happens, it's not even going to crank. So it's a moot point. I see what you mean. Well, I think te- that's what I was just Double checking. I don't think my Tesla had an AM station because right. I don't think, I think there's something to do with the electronic. There's something, there was something to do with the AM and the Tesla. Like in they weren't, Tesla. they weren't compatible. Right. I don't know. 
Well, I mean, if if all that goes down, a Tesla is oh, yeah, useless. A paperweight. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I, had, I, mean I, I, yeah, I don't have it anymore. But. Any car that's any car that's older, I don't forget what year it is exactly, but sometime mm-hmm. in the earlier mid-80s, if you've got an electronic ignition in your car and there was mm-hmm. an EMP pulse uh, in the sky mm-hmm. that knocked out everything electronic, and you're, if your car wasn't so old that it had a point system inside instead of an electronic ignition, then it won't start anyway. You're talking yeah. Greek to me now. Uh, I am to me pretty much as well because <laughs> I just I know from watching a lot of uh, science fiction shows through the years that mm-hmm. if that's all based on accurate information, then that's how that works. Will my golf cart work? Mm, yeah. Yeah, I guess it's just a battery. No, it's it's gas. No, it was gas. Probably not. Mm. It's got a key. Oh, then it should work. It'll I don't be know. Fun. Maybe maybe It'll we will never fine. have to find out. Your, Fingers your crossed. golf cart will be fine. Uh, your go karts will be fine. Your uh, talking about your trying to see how I'm gonna get around bicycle engines. Your yeah, bicycle your bike's gonna work just fine. Will be just fine. <laughs> um, or your feet. Do people still learn yeah. how to ride bicycles? Yeah. Yes. I, I just didn't know if that was something that it's had a dropped off the radar because um, I used to know some some friends of mine had children mm-hmm. who never. And they're adults now. They're in their 20s, but they never, as far as I know to this day, have never been on a bicycle. And they're like, All oh, my gosh. friends' kids know how to ride bikes. Okay. Yeah, my kids know how to ride a bike. They just don't do it as much as we right. did. It's just not a Well, there's a lot thing. more to do now than there was when we were kids. Wow. And, you know, mom just kicked you out the door when you got home from school and said, come home when the streetlight comes on. Yeah, and if you wanted to and go there, somewhere faster, bike. get on your bike and go. Yep. Because mm-hmm. uh, it was so much quicker than walking. So, yeah, the good old <laughs> days. Yeah. That's all I have. Okay. All right. Uh, Kelly, Who's in the big chair today? It's going to be Kelly. Did you, um, did we want to talk about the Super Bowl? Mm. We can briefly, as okay. long as you guys aren't going to start entertaining a bunch of nutty conspiracy theories. No, I'm going to say that I watched every bit of that Super Bowl. Yeah, and that a was game. a fantastic game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the commercials were all good. The halftime oh, yeah. show. I enjoyed the halftime show. Everything I it was, was all great. pretty good. And we, uh, I watched it at Katie and Shane's house. So we had I a good have time nothing there. negative to say about the Super Bowl yeah. experience. Loved they only it. showed Taylor 11 times because there was an over-under if you like to no, wager. It was, um, oh, they well, sh- it was. Or they showed her 12 times because the over-under was 11. Oh, was it 13? It was 13 Okay, times. I knew that it went over. Mm-hmm. It was uh, over. The yeah. yeah, maybe you told me that. Well, I didn't get to watch most of overtime because I had to stay in the bathroom because I'm superstitious. <laughs> I forgot, I forgot, I forgot. I was going to tell you this. Have I already told you? Uh, no. So Katie is rooting. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot this. Katie is rooting for. The Chiefs. Travis Kelsey. Yeah, because yeah. she likes Travis Kelsey <laughs> and, and Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah. And so they go to overtime mm-hmm. and the Niners go down and kick the field goal. Mm-hmm. So it's 22 to 19. And then with the new rules, well, that both, doesn't matter. You both but get both an teams opportunity get, to yes, score. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, the Niners get the ball. I'm sorry, the Chiefs get the ball and they're driving down the field. Something good happens. They have a big play, but Katie has just gotten up to go into the to the restroom. Mm-hmm. And so now she's like the first time all game. Yeah. So now she's afraid to come out because she's afraid she's going to jinx the chiefs. And so I'm sitting closest to the bathroom door in the, in the living room area in the kitchen area. And she's yelling through the door. What's going on? Tell me what's happening. And everybody's like, stay in the bathroom. (laughs) And they drove down and she turned out to be right on this game. Stay in the bathroom. Uh, They drove down and, and they scored. And they scored, scored the a touchdown, touchdown. And, won the game. Yes. and so they win. If they had kicked a field goal, then it would have gone to whoever scores first. Yes, that's correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they changed the rules. That's not the regular season rules in the NFL. 
Mm-mm. They changed it specifically for the Super Bowl mm-hmm. because in the regular season, if the team that gets the ball first in overtime scores a touchdown, mm-hmm. the game is over. Yeah. If they kick a field goal, then the other team gets, gets a chance an to go back down and yeah. tie it. Well, it's all playoff games, right? Yeah, I guess it's all playoff games. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah a more definitive winner and a chance for both teams to get the ball. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't agree with an overtime where... One team gets the ball, and if they score, that's it. I, I think mean, they I should put that. the ball. I yeah. think they should put the ball on the fifty yard line. You know, in college, they put the ball on the twenty five yard line, mm-hmm. and you get four plays to you score. Get four plays, yeah. I think you put the ball on the fifty yard line and go. Give them a chance to get one first down, maybe, or maybe put it on the forty yard line mm. and give them one chance at a first down. I don't know. You'd have to tweak those rules because I just realized that doesn't make any sense. I like the idea in overtime of each team getting getting the ball. The you know mm-hmm. each each team gets a chance to score. And then you just play that until somebody has more points than the Yeah, end. and they talked about that in the news after the game. And it turns out that the Chiefs had spent a lot of time in practice every week since the playoffs began mm-hmm. going over how the new overtime rules would work in the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. And the 49ers did not spend yeah. any time at all on it. A lot of the mm-hmm. 49ers so players came out and said they didn't understand the rules. Yeah, they didn't realize oh, that Lord. the rules had been changed specifically, like Katie said, for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can lie. Like in an yeah. interview, you can yeah. you don't admit that you didn't know the rules of the game. Mm-hmm. Just well, say we thought this was best, and it messed up. Yeah. So, um, I would say with that V, that's a coaching thing. Yes. Right. Yes. I mean, that's correct. but also you're a professional football player, and you get paid a lot of money. So do your research. Yeah, they probably hand you a copy of the rule book when they I mean, do give your, you that new contract. If something sign. changes in the league, I'm sure you've been informed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all of you have social media. You don't live in a hole. You all have an email, I'm sure. You know, Well, that, that, stay on top of it. Yeah, no excuse for not knowing. When they yeah. called that they wanted the ball, they said everybody was just like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, let's go. <laughs> yeah, the Chiefs couldn't. I saw it. Uh, they had Mahomes mic'd up, and mm-hmm. I saw a, a, a sequence, portion of that sequence mm-hmm. after the coin toss, and he was running back to the sideline to... Andy Reid to tell him, hey, they, they won the toss and they wanted the ball. Mm-hmm. That's the way he said it. Like, incredulous. Why would they want the ball if they won the toss? Yeah. Because you want to see what sense. you have to do. You want to let the other team go first. You defer. And then you, you always know. defer. Yeah. yeah. And then you know. Then you know what you got to do. Yeah. And then you're, then every, then you can play four down football mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. You've got four chances to get 10 yards instead of three chances. And you know what? That, that, because you're playing could, for your life. That costs you the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. not being informed. Yeah. Um, and then to get on TV and say you didn't know what a dummy. Like you can lie. Yeah. You can That's just lie. dumb. That's dumb. Well, at least it took a little bit of the heat off of the whole, you know, the NFL is fixed because the Chiefs won and Taylor Swift got to be on television one more time, which is <laughs> ridiculous. It totally discounts the fact that the Chiefs are the best team in the National Football League. First they're of all. a really good football team. Yeah. I mean, they're a dynasty. They've won three Super Bowls in the last five years. Yeah. They're, the, they're the team of the 2010s. And they're, they're good the at the 2020s. At, at the comeback, they're good at, at putting it all together and mm-hmm. keeping it all together for the entire time. Mahomes is a magician. He's, they seem to be falling apart at the beginning, not not really in a rhythm, but then they just got it. Yeah, back, they didn't look know. good in the first half. Yeah, Ooh. I think it, there was a stat, something about in the past several of their games, they come back from 10 points or more. That's yeah. right. Like yeah, they're good four at out of five Katie times. Katie watched they- every second. Of that game, guys. She is a product of if the whole relationship between Kelsey and Taylor Swift 
is fixed. It was a total publicity stunt. Well, it's starting, to, it's starting to pay off because uh, <laughs> yeah, she is, she one, is definitely one of those millions of fans that they have gained this year yeah. because of that relationship. So whether that is a thing or not, it's brilliant. Yeah, and not, not to make fun of Katie, she's she's a sports fan anyway, but usually when I've been over there before and we've watched games, and, and a lot of us are guilty of this, you get to talking to your friends and you look up and it's halftime. Yeah. But we were all facing the TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, wherever we were sitting and watching the game and talking I only in between it. plays. I, I, uh, okay. So what was your favorite commercial? Uh, I didn't pay as much attention to the commercials as I wanted to, because that's when I would go to the bathroom or go outside or mm-hmm. get something, uh, from the buffet. So I didn't pay as much attention as I wanted to, but I think that the Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito commercial was voted the number one. Oh, it was a great yeah, the it was favorite. A good one. So that one, it's either that one or the uh, Michael Sarah V commercial was yeah. hilarious. I didn't see it. I, I got to watch them. I, I should have done that. I liked the homes.com that had Lil Wayne in it. <laughs> and was, uh, they were, there were so, there was a lot of good commercials yeah. this year. Yeah. I think there was the, it was the, the Uber Eats or the one that had like Jennifer Aniston, David Schwimmer. Oh, yeah. Like they kept forgetting. Mm-hmm. Like one party would forget the other one or something. Yes. I got to go back and watch them again. Oh, should have yeah. done that already. So those were were really good, but yeah, the the Arnold one was up there when he's trying to say neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was State Farm, right? No, neighbor, neighbor, and he's <laughs> and then they get Danny DeVito who says neighbor. So then, yeah, yeah. Were and they dressed he, at the end? Identical? He's like, you're a. What does he try to call him at the end? I don't know, but it, it's supposed to be an ER, and he. <laughs> oh, okay. I can't remember. The, Anyways, go back and watch it. It's a great commercial. The, the thing he can't pronounce. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a state farm. Yeah. 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 So, anyways, uh, fantastic. But the Michael Sarah V one gets funnier every time I watch it. Okay. You know who Michael Sarah is, right? Yes, of course. And then you know the Sarah V face wash, yeah, and moisturizer, and all that. Michael Sarah V. Their slogan is not created by Michael Sarah or something like that because okay. he's trying to claim it and he's you know anyways it's great that went viral on TikTok and stuff not the uh-huh. it, like the whole okay. yes uh, fantastic makes sense yeah all right so uh, now that we've talked about that we're a little bit late about talking talking through the Super Bowl but oh well yeah, yeah we've- we took last week off but it wouldn't have done any good. We couldn't have talked about the Super Bowl anyway if we had been here because it would have been hours before the game kicked off. That's so we true. didn't we didn't shoot ourselves in the foot by not recording. We did not. That's one reason we right. took the day off was yeah. so we could all get ready and uh, you know cook or just kind of chill out and chill out. Bowl. It's Super Bowl Sunday, so yeah. we yeah. took the day off. One time. All right, here we go. Uh, we are we're actually going to be local. We're going to go to Floyd County, Georgia, which is just right across the line into Rome, Georgia. I know where that is. Yeah, that is, uh, what, 40 minutes from here? Sure. Yeah. Can you be there in 40 mm-hmm. minutes? Oh, yeah. yeah. My car goes pretty fast. <laughs> You'll probably be there in 30. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I could. So that's um, that's where we are today. So we're back with a local case. And I want to go ahead and say about this case, Undisclosed, the Undisclosed podcast did an entire season on this case. So as usual, we are going to be the 101 version okay. of the case. If you want to dig into this, I suggest you listen to the Undisclosed podcast. You've mentioned that podcast before. Yeah. They handled the, um, when we had Celeste on the show mm-hmm. and she talked about Joey Watkins. Right. That was their season two. 
Season one was Adnan Syed. Season two was Joey Watkins. Okay. Which is another case from Rome, Georgia. Yeah, that's right. And so then they were back in Rome for this one. I'm not sure what season this particular case was. What is in the water in Rome, Georgia? Well, if you listen to their podcast, you'll understand. Turns out over the years, quite a bit of uh, corruption and and uh, mm. scandal with law enforcement and well, back it, in the 80s and 70s. And whatever it is, it ends up here in Weiss Lake because the Coosa River yep. starts <laughs> in Rome, Georgia. So exactly. I just realized whatever they're drinking, we get it too. Exactly. And and we've talked about other cases that, that we've kind of shared with Floyd County. Mm-hmm. Uh, if yeah, they cross right. the line and yeah. they offend there, then they come over here and offend and mm-hmm. back and forth, Several starting times. with our first one. Judith Ann Neely. That's right. That took place in Rome, Georgia. So, uh, anyways, we're back. We're back there, and uh, we're going to talk about a man named Gary Mitchum Reeves. And so, if you look up the season for Undisclosed, it'll be his name. Okay. So, our state versus, our Georgia versus, our state versus Gary Mitchum, however they do that. Anyways, whatever. So, there's the reference uh, to them. Check it out. Dive in for the... uh, the more um, intense, in-depth season of it. So here we go. We're going to skim across the surface here today. Right. The glasses are going on, Uh so you know it's time. (laughs) All right. Gary Mitchum Reeves. He was born in 1948 in Floyd County, Georgia. In 1968, Gary met Grace Reynolds. In 1975, Gary got a life sentence for the murder of Grace Reynolds. In 1981, he was paroled. In 1985, his sentence was commuted. And in 1990, he received an administrative pardon. Well, we really did skim across All right, the, the end. We'll <laughs> <laughs> see you next week. That didn't take as long as I thought. <laughs> Cliff Notes version. <laughs> And how the heck did all that happen, yeah, right? That's, uh, yeah, that's the, the question right. I'm begging to ask. Turns out I'm going to be able to answer some things for you, but I'm not going to be able to answer all things for you on how we actually got to where we are in 2024. You've got my attention. Gary Mitchum mm-hmm. Reeves is still a free man in 2024. Very nice. He's what, 76 years old? Uh, sure, do yeah. that math. I, yeah. I think I did. All right, so let's go back to 1968. In 1968, Gary met Grace Reynolds. He was a bootlegger and worked at a liquor store. That's a big deal back in our time and in our area. I like him already. In these rural areas of Alabama and Georgia, bootlegging probably still is Persists to this day. Yeah. Now, Grace was a waitress at several uh, bars in the Rome area back then. You would have called it a beer joint. It mm. wasn't really a bar. It was a beer joint. I know where one of those is. Because they only served beer? Just a beer joint. Yep. It is. The name describes exactly mm-hmm. as it was. State Line Tavern comes to mind. Yep. My mom uh, worked there. Do you remember the Red Dog? I remember it. I, I, I was never old enough to go, but I have heard it spoken of mm-hmm. uh, fondly. It was literally like this shack. Mm-hmm. Just on of the a side building of the road. on the side of the road right between across. Center and Rome. Yeah, because at the time, and Cherokee County is still a dry county today. We have yeah. wet cities in the county, yeah. but the county was dry. Floyd County, Georgia was wet and remains so to this day. So anytime you crossed from Cherokee County, Alabama into Floyd County, Georgia, typically there would be 
a beer joint on the Georgia side mm-hmm. and a fireworks stand on the Alabama side because yeah. fireworks were and are, as far as I know, to this day, remain illegal in Georgia. Yes, yes. you are correct. And that yes. is still, oh, wow, that is, just, it's so just come on down to the, to the <laughs> but in, county in the or span, to the state line, guys. In the span of a mile or less than a mile, you could get your fireworks and then go visit the beer joint. Oh, yeah, joint. you could hit a golf ball from one place and it land in the parking lot at the other. Yeah. if Just if you were sort of a good golfer. Yeah. So, the red dog doesn't come into play here. Okay. But, um, or at least not, it, I don't know if it does in any of the rabbit holes that you can go down with Understood. this case, but it doesn't. I just remember that one. Yeah. You know, traveling. It to actually had a big red dog statue out in front in the parking lot, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. That was nicer than the building. Yeah. Kind of thing. <laughs> but anyways, uh, yeah, a lot of people went there and had, had a nice time, had, had some beers and went home. No, no, no issues, you know. Um, so Grace was a, a waitress at several beer joints in the Rome area. And, and so eventually Gary and Grace are going to open their own beer joint and it's called Grace's Place. Okay. They are going to have an on-again, off-again relationship. Gary and Grace were often referred to as common-law married. But Grace was still legally married to her husband, Doyle Wade. So she was often, she was Grace Wade technically. Okay. But the plot thickens. They had not um, officially divorced as far as in the eyes of Georgia law, but they had been separated for a long time and she had lived with Gary long enough that they could have been common law married. Anyways, at one point they moved to Atlanta. In 1970, the couple has a son. They separate. Grace returns home to Rome and Gary and their son stay in Atlanta. Now, eventually they're going to rekindle because as I said, they're on again, off again. And Gary and their son, they're going to move back to Rome to be with Grace. In an interview with the Undisclosed podcast, Gary told them that he, quote, had a good job at a liquor store in Atlanta near Emory, end quote. He later described coming home to visit his parents, going to Grace's beer joint at the time, which was called the Cattle Barn, and uh, that's where they rekindled. So let me not confuse you. Um, they moved to Atlanta. He's got a great job near Emory with a liquor store. They decide they don't want to live in Atlanta together anymore. Grace moves home. He and the son stay in Atlanta. He has family who still live in the Rome area, so he comes home to visit them, particularly his parents. And at the time, Grace is working at the cattle barn, which is a beer joint. He goes in. They rekindle. He moves back home. They open up Grace's place together. Okay, so that's where Grace's your, there's your place comes in. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Gary began working at the cattle barn before they opened Grace's place. He rents a home on Maple Street in Rome. The couple lived there with their son. He was three at the time of the story. Grace's two daughters from her previous marriage, 15 years old and 17 years old. Eventually, the oldest daughter's boyfriend is going to move into the home as well. His name is Bo Salmon. Now, his name is S-A-L-M-O-N. Salmon or Salmon? I'm going to say it. Salmon is a last name. I'm guessing as a last name that you, <laughs> yeah. you leave the L in there. Bo Salmon. Some of you have perked up at that name. I didn't because I didn't know anything about Bo, but yeah. we'll find out in a little bit. All right. 
Gary told Undisclosed that he decided he was going to go back to Atlanta and get his job back. He, the he, one at the liquor store. He made a mistake coming back to Rome, rekindling with her. He rented that house on Maple Street. Now they've got their son, the two daughters, and now a boyfriend all living there. It's not that big of a house. Yeah, he's been kicked to the couch, and he's like, screw this, I'll go back to Atlanta. I'm going back to Atlanta. Okay. So he had sort of made this decision, but before he could return to Atlanta and get his job back, uh, something happened on the night of August 13th, 1974. They closed... The cattle barn at midnight at 2 a.m. Someone called the police and reported a shooting. It was someone from the house. That's all we know. Someone from the house called 911. When the cops arrived, the two daughters were on the front porch. And one of them said their stepdad shot their mom. Grace's body was found in the kitchen on the floor with four gunshot wounds. They found at least two more bullets in the kitchen, one in the floor, and one in the backsplash of the counter. So that's the scene that they get to. 2 a.m., it's August 13th, 1974. So, you know, you have to think about what year it is. Yeah, and that's a Tuesday. I just looked it up. I was thinking maybe it was a Friday, but it was a Tuesday. So... It's 1974. All we know is someone from the house called the cops. So we don't have a recording or any, you know, 911 call or anything like that. We're kind of used to that. That's pretty standard when we talk about a crime mm-hmm. here, but not in 1974 yeah. and not in Rome, Georgia right. or Floyd County or any of that. None of that's going exactly. on. Exactly. So the cops get there. The two girls are out front. One of them says, my stepdad shot my mom. They find her dead in the kitchen. The police then go to the home of Gary's parents. They only lived about a mile away from this house. They get there. They find Gary there. First off, his car's in the driveway. They go in. He is in the bed. The covers are pulled up as if he was sleeping. But when he was pulled out of bed, he still had his clothes on, Uh his regular clothes on. That's suspicious. There's a thirty-eight pistol on the dining room table, and their son, their three-year-old son, was also there, asleep. Now, Gary claims he does not remember anything. He claims he woke up in jail and was charged with first-degree murder, and that's how he knew that Grace was dead. He woke up in jail. Woke up in jail. He learned that the two daughters claimed to see him shoot their mother and leave the scene. Get the son, leave the scene. Judge Scroggins ordered Gary to Midgeville since he couldn't remember anything. Gary's story was, I I, I don't remember anything. Midgeville being what? Midgefield. I'm I'm going to take a whole set. Here we go. That was a perfect lead way. Okay. Midgefield was for the, quote, criminally insane Ah. because he can't remember. So the judge says, all right, Midgefield it is. Let's have him evaluated. He spends nine weeks there. So let's take a little side journey here and talk about Midgefield. Okay. 
The following information is from an article in the uh, Atlanta Magazine, from atlantamagazine.com. In 1837, Georgia lawmakers authorized a, quote, lunatic, idiot, and epileptic asylum. The words we don't say anymore. Five years later, the facility is going to open. So they're, they're going to authorize it in 1837. Five years later, it opens with the title Georgia Lunatic Asylum. It's on the outskirts of town, and it's in this antebellum old home that used to be where the state capitol was housed. So they're right. going to put the, 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 their words, not mine, the lunatics there. Mm-hmm. The first patient, Tillman B. of Bibb County, arrived in December of 1842. He died of, quote, maniacal exhaustion before the next summer. Now, maniacal exhaustion is fatigue that occurs during times of depression, but it can also occur during manic phases since these can consist of insomnia and restlessness. So if he's running around screaming... If like he's a in a manic state, he, he dies of that. That's what they say he dies of. Okay. Maniacal exhaustion. Thousands of Georgia residents were sent to Midgeville, often with unspecified conditions. Or people with disabilities that did not warrant a classification of mental illness. Some of them were sent there who had nothing more than a label of, quote, funny, end quote. Mm. It was basically... Kind of like a trash can for people. A clearinghouse for the undesirables. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At if you have any as... kind of issue that we're not sure what in the heck to do with you, there you go. The hospital outgrew its resources, and by the 1950s, the staff-to-patient ratio is 1 to 100. The psychiatric tools of the times, lobotomies. You guys know what that is? Mm-hmm. Wow. It's a surgical procedure which consisted of making holes in the skull, removing some of the brain tissue, and severing the connections between the frontal lobe and the thalamus. Basically, they're, they're severing things in the brain where your brain doesn't necessarily communicate with itself anymore. Right. Sounds like a perfect cure for mm-hmm. mental health, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, another thing that they were doing was something called insulin shock. Insulin shock is repeatedly being injected with insulin in order to produce daily comas over several weeks. Side effects include obesity, extreme restlessness, sweating profusely, and convulsions. And then electroshock therapy. I think I'd rather be a lunatic. Yeah. Uh, And then there were some far less sophisticated techniques. Less, uh, we're oh, yeah. getting less yeah. further, Did you hear that? How much further down in the well yeah. can we go with that? Did you hear that? Children were confined to metal cages. Adults were forced to take steam baths and cold showers. They were confined to straight jackets and treated with douches or nauseants. It, uh, quote, it has witnessed the heights of man's humanity and the depths of his degradation, end quote. That's from Dr. Peter Cranford, who was the chief clinical psychologist at the hospital in 1952. And he ended up writing a book about it. It was so bad. Um, His book is called, But for the Grace of God, The Inside Story of the World's Largest Insane Asylum. Wow, I'm curious to read that. Yeah. In 1959, the Atlanta Constitution's Jack Nelson investigated the issues there. He ended up uh, winning a Pulitzer Prize for it. Oh, wow. 
uh, okay. because of the things that he uncovered there and actually exposed a lot of the the mistreatment and the wrongdoings. At the time, he, in 1959, they didn't even have a psychiatrist on staff. What? They were just pulling staff off psych wards from other hospitals and hiring them there, but mm-hmm. they're not doctors. So they weren't trying to treat them as much as they were just trying to they keep them out of society. Corralled, and it's on the outskirts of town, and they're just there. And so this is the kind of place that um, Gary was sent in 1974, and he spent nine weeks there just because he said, I can't remember what happened. Was the treatment regimen any better in 74 than it was in the 50s? I think it was just really a... in the Yes. Or was it yet a yes. treatment regimen? In 74, they're not doing a lot of these things anymore. Okay. They're... they're it's not as barbaric. I guess if the judge sent him there, he specifically wants somebody to determine whether or not this man is in his right mind. Correct. So that they can charge him with murder. And put him on trial. Yes. Okay. So after this Atlanta Constitution article comes out, uh, many of the staff get fired. And finally, the state financially backs the place to get them what they need. In the mid-1960s, the new, there were some new psychiatric drugs came out, allowed uh, less restrictions with patients. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've got someone who's actively psychotic and they're running wild through the hallway you you got to restrain them right but these medications are going to come along and that's going to cause them well it's going to help them to be calm and they're not going to have to be restrained so they're they're not as you know it's it's not like a prison what would be known on the street corner as a downer i suppose (laughs) yeah definitely uh sedative um but anyways sedative sedative i said a sedative uh never mind it's a joke Oh, let's oh. go home and watch Young Frankenstein. Yeah, we didn't. Oh. Get it. Okay, so <laughs> you want me um, to watch something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Add it to the list. <laughs> um, then patients are actually going to get moved to less restrictive settings, and so the population of Midgeville starts to steadily decline, which is what we want. A decade before the national movement toward deinstitutionalization, Georgia governors Carl Sanders and Jimmy Carter began emptying the place in earnest, sending the mental health patients to regional hospitals and community clinics and people with developmental disabilities to small group homes. They stopped sending them there. Okay. If you have a developmental disability, you don't need to be housed in the same place with the criminally insane. Yeah, seems logical. So we finally put that together um, on into the 60s and 70s. Finally, uh, Midgeville closed its doors um, in 2010. Seems late. uh, Yeah, yeah. They stopped taking patients then. Uh, In 1999, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled uh, in a Georgia case that allows patients with mental health problems to choose if they want community care over institutionalization, if a professional agrees. So if a professional says you're not necessarily a danger to yourself or others, you can decide, do you want to go to inpatient or do you want to do more community care? Right. And the person gets to choose. But that law didn't come into place until 1999. Mm. That's not that long ago. No. So anyways, there we go. Back to the story. But this is where Gary gets sent in the 70s 1974, for nine weeks. Now, he was appointed an attorney. The attorney's name is Bill Buffington. Doesn't that sound like a a Georgia 
A Georgia Law, attorney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. sure does. William Chesterton Buffington. <laughs> Bill Buffington. So according to Gary, when he first meets him, he thought that they were bringing a a drunk person to be put in the cell with him. When Bill Buffington comes stumbling the, in. The attorney. He thought, this is going to be my cellmate. In the drunk tank. Uh-huh. That was his attorney. <laughs> Great. Yes. So... Gary went on to say that he got a copy of Bill Buffington's death certificate. He actually died about nine months after the trial of cirrhosis of the liver. Oh. Mm. So he was you don't spot just, on. Yeah, you that. don't just get cirrhosis. <laughs> Gary said that his attorney... You don't wake up with that. No. Bill, Gary says that, that this attorney never asked him about the case, but often asked him to borrow money to go buy whiskey. Nuh-uh. According to Gary. Going to need another retainer to stay uh, to yeah. manage your attorney. So the trial for Gary was actually supposed to start on January twenty seventh, nineteen seventy five. But when they got over there and got into court, Bill Buffington was so drunk they've had to postpone it to the next day. I think I would have, if I'm the judge, I would hold that defense attorney in contempt of court. Nope, just said go they home. Were, he probably up. got drunk with the judge the night before. <laughs> So during the trial, the prosecution calls seven witnesses and the defense called one. Do you want to know who the defense called? It wasn't. Gary. Was it? Yeah. They he put, testified he put, in his own defense? He put Gary on the stand. Yikes. All right. The, the trial. Guy who claims he doesn't remember anything. Yep. <laughs> the trial lasted about five hours. Katie is five, making a face. Five hours. Yeah. Five hours. That was the entire trial. Five hours. took place in an afternoon. Mm-hmm. Okay. A murder trial. Okay. Yep. Okay, so the first witness was Beverly, the 15-year-old daughter of Grace. Now, there's nothing, there wasn't any recording or anything of the trial. Um, I mean, you can get the the records. The transcript. Mm -hmm. But she does give a statement about five months after the trial. And so from what can be gathered, this is, okay, Beverly's, Beverly's story changes a lot, but let me give you this, and then I'll tell you how it changes. According to 15-year-old Beverly, on the night in question, they returned home from the bar around 12, 10 a.m. Gary and Grace fixed him a drink. They went to sit on the front porch of their house. Charlotte, the older daughter, who's 17, was on the front porch with her boyfriend, Bo Salmon, and then one of their friends was also there named Richard Holcomb. He and Bo were big buddies. So they're all at the house on the porch drinking when Gary and Grace and Beverly I'm actually get home. Right. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so eventually, Richard Holcomb, the friend of Bo's, leaves to go home. Charlotte and Bo go to bed. Gary asked Beverly, the 15-year-old, to fix him a drink. Now, this was, this was a thing back in the 70s. I mm-hmm. mean, even after that. I mean, growing up, mm-hmm. you know, I could go to the, uh, the bypass store and get my stepdad an entire roll of tobacco. Sure. I could, uh, I was, you know, 14, 15 years old. I would drive myself by myself up to the store, there, buy it. an entire roll of tobacco, and bring it home. 
just because you was, said it was for my stepdad. Yeah, and that was not in the seventies. That was, yeah, yeah, that even was in after. the nineties. So a lot of people, you know, Gary asked Beverly, the fifteen year old, to make him another drink. Mm-hmm. That was not a big now, deal I've, at the time. I've fetched hundreds of beer cans in my life. Yeah, so she does, and she brings it back, and she says when she comes back with his drink, Gary's drunk and he's joking that he's going to shoot the lights out of the of the service station that's across the street from him. He's just kind of joking. But she says everything's joking. He and Grace are getting along. There's no argument whatsoever. So Beverly finally goes to bed. And she says when she goes to bed, all is calm and peaceful. There's there's no, no problems. Until she heard the first shot. She peeked out of her door to see Gary holding the gun on Grace and shooting. Now, Beverly's story, as I said, has changed multiple times. The details are never the same. Some of her stories included uh, three-year-old Sean being in the room, and some of them did not. One story included her mother saying, quote, I knew this day would come, end quote, and Gary saying, quote, it is here, end quote. Hmm. That sounds like a pretty specific thing to make up. Beverly will even go on and admit to the crime herself. And we'll find out more about that after this word from our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you in part by A&W Outdoor Services, located right here in Cherokee County, Alabama. It's almost time to tidy up the deck, clean the gutters, and spruce up the yard and landscaping around your home, lake house, or creekside cabin. And who better to do that for you than the professional crew at A&W Outdoor Services? Call 256-706-7964 and let Alan and his crew do all the hard work for you so you can spend your time this summer enjoying your piece of Cherokee County in clean, carefree comfort. Call Alan today for a free estimate or to get on the A&W Spring Schedule before it's full. That's A&W Outdoor Services at 256-706-7964. Hey guys, do you know what time it is? Tell us! It's time to plan your best vacation ever right here in beautiful Cherokee County, Alabama. Many outdoor adventures await. You can wet a hook in beautiful Weiss Lake, swing away at Cherokee Pines Golf Club, climb to the best year round at Cherokee Rock Village, hike the Little River Canyon National Preserve, take a day's long splash at Pirates Bay Water Park, and there's so much more. The Cherokee County Chamber of Commerce and Tourism has a full list of recommended lodging facilities, RV sites, and campgrounds, and they're all set up to suit your vacation needs, whatever they may be. So come see us from wherever you are located. And if you already live right here in Cherokee County, then plan your summer staycation with the Chamber by visiting Cherokee-Chamber.org. Thank you to all of our wonderful sponsors. I mean, Kelly's leaving us on a cliffhanger here. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, unfortunately, I'm going to leave you just a little bit longer uh, because I'm, I'm still trying to do my timeline here. But the story that I first told you about Beverly there before I started talking about all the different times that it changed, that's what we believe she said at the trial. Then Charlotte is going to get on the uh, the stand and she's going to say that Bo and their friend Richard were on the porch drinking and she was there. Then Beverly, Gary, and Grace get home that night. She said, uh, Gary leaves and goes to pick up Sean, the three-year-old from the babysitters, and then brings him back home, puts Sean to bed, and then comes back on the porch. 
She said when she got ready to go to bed, she went in, got some blankets, and went to sleep on the living room couch. She says no arguments. Everything was calm, but she woke up to gunfire. She jumped up from the couch. She walked into the dining room. And from the dining room, you can see into the kitchen. She could see Gary firing the gun at Grace in the kitchen. The one thing that Beverly has... Now, that was Charlotte's testimony. Okay? That's the older daughter. The older daughter. Now, I'm going to go back to Beverly. Beverly's story has changed multiple times, even to the point of where she admitted... Or she confessed to the crime, and I'll go into that with you. But despite all of the changing of the stories that Beverly has, the one thing that she says over and over and over was that her mother was wearing pink pajamas at the time of her murder. Okay. Even years later, Mm -hmm. mother was wearing her pink pajamas. Charlotte says... She was wearing a denim bra with her underwear and her blue housecoat over that. The crime scene photos agree with Charlotte. Okay. She was not in pink pajamas. So she's already misremembered that fact. And that's the only thing she's consistent with. Okay. Mm. So odd. It's just, you know, one of the strange things, one of the many strange things about this case. Mm. Okay. The bullets at the crime scene matched a thirty-eight, just like the one they found on Gary the night of the crime. But ballistics will show that Gary's gun had not been fired that night. Well, wait a minute. Now Grace also had a thirty-eight pistol where she kept she kept it in a certain spot in her closet. Like people do. Yeah. Uh, they they don't know where that gun is. They can't find it. I know where it is. That it's in the bottom is, of a lake somewhere. That gun is missing. Now, they put Gary on the stand to testify. There are many times during the trial that Bill Buffington, Gary's attorney, cannot even get Grace's name right. Oh, he calls her Grace Reynolds, Grace Wade. Now, I did tell you that that she did have, you know, different... Starting to sound like grounds for an appeal. Maybe. Yeah. So Gary gets on the stand and he doesn't know he's going to get on the stand until they're at the trial. And Bill looks at him and says, I'm going to put you on the stand. So really starting to sound like what does Gary say? He said, I don't, I don't remember doing it. Yeah. Uh He doesn't deny it. He just says, "I, I don't remember. If I did it, I don't remember. But I don't think I did it. Mm-hmm. I think I'd rather have my attorney, if he was competent, say that for me than me being tasked with the job of getting up there and having to undergo cross-examination by the prosecution, which you may be getting to. Yeah. So, Gary, uh, after that, in January, that's when the trial, you know, didn't take the jury long. Gary got life in prison. Mm-hmm. Sure. Later that year, we're in 75 when this trial happens. I believe. Yes, 75. That was in January of 75. In April of 75, Beverly is going to tell the police that she lied at trial and she wanted to fix it. She says she never saw Gary kill her mother. And she claimed that the sheriff, Sheriff Lynn Garner, 
was influencing her story. Now, Lynn Garner is a man. Okay. Even so, after all this, Gary is denied a new trial. No new trial. Denied. A few months after Beverly recanted her story, Beverly is doing some time in prison for writing bad checks. She's going to slip a note to someone. She's going to claim that she's the one who shot her mother. Jailhouse confession. She's going to say, she, I got to come clean. I got to get this off my chest. I'm the one that did it. Mm-hmm. She was brought in for a polygraph. She was asked, did you shoot your mother? She said, yes. She was asked, did you kill her with a 38 pistol? Yes. Did Sheriff Garner influence your testimony at trial? She said, no. The polygraph showed no deception. She was telling the truth. Mm. So in the polygraph, she admitted to killing her mm. and with the 38, but the sheriff did not have anything to do with her confession. A few months after that, she's going to recant all of that. Sounds like they put the wrong person in the insane asylum. So Gary remained in jail with no new trial granted. Now, in the meantime, let's talk about Bo Salmon. Bo Salmon, Charlotte's boyfriend at the time of the murder. From 1961 to 1974, uh, Bo was charged with with, uh, burglary multiple times. He was convicted of it once. While in jail, he was charged with attempted murder and got 10 additional years to his sentence. So he, in 1974, he was fresh out of prison, newly released, and starts dating Charlotte. He and his friend Richard Holcomb were charged for a, quote, stick-up not far from Grace's bar. Now, these charges disappear for whatever reason. Hmm. Fast forward to 1980, after, you know, Gary's been put in prison and all that. In 1980, Bo was convicted of the murder of Henry Ridley Jr. And according to the Undisclosed podcast, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation believes that Bo was involved in seven to eight murders over the course of of his span. Bo died in prison in 2005 because he was convicted of the one murder. Mm -hmm. He died in prison in 2005. Bo was never questioned by the police in the murder of Grace Reynolds. Even though he was, by all accounts, there. Passed out and in the house. Passed out drunk and in the house. That is insane. Grace's gun missing. And nobody ever thought to ask him anything. Never was questioned. He was never questioned. Here we go with incompetent police work again. That seems to be a common theme. And that is a very good lead in to this. There's so many stories of this corruption and just criminal activity mm-hmm. during this time in the 70s and 80s in Floyd County and in Rome, Georgia. Right. And that is a whole rabbit hole that you can go down. Ah. It's a whole rabbit hole you can look into. And some would even say that it's continuing to go on in the um, Joey Watkins case. Even, even, you know, that was on into, was that in the 2000s? Yeah. Is it just incompetence? um, It's, It's worse than that. Some believe Allegedly. back in the 70s and 80s that it's a lot more than mm-hmm. incompetence, that it is criminal. 
activity. But there's no there's no evidence to support it. There's only these small town hearsay and all these stories. And you can go down that rabbit hole if you listen to the the undisclosed podcast. They're right. they're gonna cover all of that. In my opinion, a lot of it was hearsay. Yeah. The rumor so I mills, don't have any the grapevine. Yes, yes. Doesn't mean it's not true or there's not something true. Some to basis it. of truth to sure. it. Sure. But I don't have any evidence to any mm-hmm. of that. What I'm giving you are what I know to be facts of this case yeah. in particular. So mm-hmm. that's a whole nother if you want to go down down that rabbit hole. Well, we've can. we've said this before. There there's there are no guilty people in prison. They all think that they were wronged in some way or they were framed or it was yeah. their buddy who did it. So that's yeah. that's the genesis of where those rumors start. Oh, they're incompetent, they're crooks. Yes, yes. So you- And and if you put yourself on the jury of Gary's trial and you've got these two young girls who for the most part their stories are very similar. Mm-hmm. And their mother's been killed. And their mother's been killed and they're there and they're saying it was our stepdad who did it. And he gets on the stand and all he says is, well, I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember. What are you going to vote? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. You, and you're the jury and that's all you've been given. You, you don't know about this Bo guy or this Richard Holcomb guy or, or what, a, what but, all they've been. They're not the ones being brought in yeah. on trial. So... Yeah, if I was a good defense attorney, I would have said, wait a minute, there was a guy in the house that night who just got out of a 10-year prison sentence mm-hmm. Yeah, for armed robbery. But it would seem that Let's all, get him his, in here. all his defense attorney ever said was, can I borrow 10 bucks? Yeah. That's got to be. All right. I don't, I don't want to guess. But that's insane, isn't it? That's got to be. Hey, Gary was, I'm just going to go ahead and take, Gary was never granted a new trial. What? Never was Gary granted. A well, new that trial. is shit nuts crazy. Let me just let me just uh, throw that out there all right. mm-hmm. and spill all that. But if you'll remember back to our timeline, our little cliff notes that I gave you at the very beginning, right? We know how this story turns out. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just I've just got a few more things to tell you. Some of this, I mean, very short. I might answer a few things, but I'm probably going to leave you with more questions. You know, Katie gets mad at me. When I tell the end of the story at the beginning, she yeah. didn't say a fucking word. You didn't. <laughs> uh-uh. No, she didn't. All right. Okay. All right. So Gary, let's go back to Gary. Gary was paroled in 1981. Because he had served so much time. He had served only spent seven, six years. Seven. Seven years, seven years so in prison that was... for murder for a life sentence. Wow. Gary, you get at least 15 in Alabama. All right. So Gary claims that he never went before the parole board. Never went. <laughs> this one day he woke up and the, the door to his jail cell was open. One day he was scrubbing floors because that was one of the, he, he was kind of the, the do boy for, okay. he had had a lot of good behavior and he had, you know, been able to do, you know, come into the different stations and, run, and scrub floors. Yeah. And he was able to do a sort lot of, of a those things. limited yeah. work release. Sure. Okay. He was doing that one day, scrubbing floors, and was pulled aside, and was set, and and he was told, uh, "Your release has been signed." <laughs> what? And uh, so let's let's go back. Uh, he was paroled in in 1981, just like that. In 1985, his sentence was commuted. And in 1990, he got an administrative pardon. So his sentence was commuted by the governor 
of Georgia in 1985. Was that Miller? God, I was that before Miller? Anyway. And then got an administrative pardon. Gary, to this day, still pleads his case to anybody that'll listen and claims his innocence to this day. Well, the governor bought it. All right, what do you think? That's the story. I don't. I don't have any more answers for you. But there, I mean, what are? The, what do you think? What are the specifics about why the governor was compelled to grant him a commutation? I don't know. Okay. Well, that's that's a donut hole. Gary never went before a parole board. He never got a new trial. There's things that we don't know. <laughs> Well, I feel like so that other people do know. Though. So some people think mm-hmm. that. Yeah, please give me something. They, by they, I mean the 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 people in the know in Georgia uh, said, "Holy crap! This was horrendously mishandled." Okay, and they, or maybe they, they, they said, maybe they said it. Maybe somebody, some was the. I don't know how long the Innocence Project has been around, but maybe somebody. No, if the Innocence Project had been involved, we'd know about it. They don't keep that stuff a secret. Undisclosed didn't get involved until, I mean, Gary had been out. Somebody had said to somebody, hey, if if this ever makes it into an appeals court, you guys are going to be the laughing stock of the state of Georgia. Maybe. And so they swept it under the rug and cut him loose and said, And then Bo, at the time, Bo is in jail because he is... In 1980 is when he was convicted of the murder of Henry. And a year later, Jr. Reeves gets out. But without going before a parole board, without... <laughs> yeah. So what? Uh, Salmon admits in prison. I'm just speculating, no. of course. But he no, admits you... while he's in prison, hey, I killed the other person. And no. no he nobody ever out. believes that guy. No, he didn't. But yeah. we'd hear about that. Yeah. That something had to have happened that isn't talked about, isn't put out there. Like a, a prison yard confession we'd hear about, Innocence Project getting involved we'd hear about. Yeah, like I said, Undisclosed did not get involved until Gary was already, Gary had already received a pardon. Well, okay. so then if, I have to believe Gary's innocent. So if I listen to the entire season of this Undisclosed podcast, mm-hmm. what is their best speculation about how this thing played out the way that it did. I, I don't want, I'm going to have to say, you'll have to listen to them. Cause I don't want to like give so you their... just turned our podcast into a promotional vehicle. <laughs> I did for some other fucking podcast. Well, we don't want to be the cliff notes of undisclosed. Yeah, I, I can't, right. I can't really tell you what they but really think. I think no one knows what to think. They know something's fishy. If, mm-hmm. if they believed he was guilty, who, why would they go through the trouble of getting him out? I think what you have is the closest thing to them admitting they were wrong yep. and an apology that you're ever going to get. Yep. Get out of prison in seven years, no parole board hearing. Mm-hmm. That just screams. Sure. Yeah. I got, mean, there's no doubt about that. Some gross negligence has been uncovered. But how many times have we, we heard about... We just want to distance ourselves. But how many times have we heard about cases where someone's in prison for a crime they didn't commit. Yeah. And it gets revealed that mm-hmm. someone else is guilty for it. It still takes months for that innocent person. Exactly. Yes. For all the paperwork to go through and everything. You're still in jail for months after you're an innocent man. Yeah. In a lot of cases. Exactly. And they just walk up to him and hand him 20 bucks and say, there's the bus stop. See ya. Your release has been signed. Well, we don't know when the process started. That's true. 
And I've got, to, I've just got All to believe. All we know is he gets denied multiple times for another trial. I've just got, I, and that's tried, what I can't believe because you've got an incompetent the, defense oh, attorney. completely incompetent defense attorney. Let's say that, uh, that all of Gary's stories, let's just say that he's lying about some of it. Well, it is documented that the trial was supposed to start on one day and had to start on the next day. Right. Um, it is documented that he gets the victim's name wrong multiple times. The the defense the attorney. Defense attorney. Right. He only calls his his per. He has one witness, and it's his client. He doesn't. His client claims they never discussed the case. He didn't. Dis- he all he did was ask for liquor money. I just don't know how. I mean, that's got to have. That's got to play some part in this. In my mind, mm-hmm. some people. Um, and the and the night in question of Gary being, you know, Gary claims he was drunk and he does not remember anything that he had, had a lot to drink. And Beverly's story kind of backs that up a little bit. If he's so drunk, he's joking about shooting out the sure. lights of the the gas station across the street. Um, and he's wanting to go to Waffle House in one story. And Grace says, "No, you're not driving." Mm-hmm. I'm going to fix you something. And okay. it, that's when the, they go into the kitchen. She's fixing him something. And that's when he shoots her. And sometime in the few minutes mm-hmm. between the time that they leave the porch and get into the kitchen, some argument erupts. No one ever heard an argument. Somebody's mad at, about something. If no, this story is to be believed. Yeah. No one ever heard an argument according to both daughters. Right. Bo doesn't claim anything. Nobody asked him anything. I was about anything. to say. Nobody asked him a damn thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard Holcomb was gone. He had, you know, he wasn't there. I would really love to read the transcript from this trial. You can. Uh, that's It'd be a very up. short read. <clears throat> I guess so. Five it took trial. five hours, yeah, you right? you sit and read it probably yeah. pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> over, the, over the years, there's been many rabbit holes Especially with the whole what was she wearing thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With Charlotte saying exactly what she was wearing in the crime scene photos and Beverly insisting she was wearing her pink pajamas. Some people think that Beverly may be recalling a different night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's I a imagine, simple explanation. I don't think there's a conspiracy there. I don't either. I think I imagine it's a it is it is an extremely traumatic event mm-hmm. to find your hear gunshots and find your mother dead in the kitchen. Yeah. So it's very difficult to put a lot of stock in what the 15 year old says. Yeah. And that's one thing that we didn't really mention. When that happens, and I've never had that exact I experience, right. but I can only imagine uh, the, the, the rush of adrenaline and the state of shock yeah. and the, the emotional distress that is suddenly cascading over you. Sure. That's got to be, it's traumatic. Yes. So, and at one point in time, the two girls are, are brought into the station. They're being questioned together and they get into a disagreement about different details about what had happened. Mm-hmm. So they separate the two girls and then question them. Well, as they should have. As they should have with. done to begin with, right, yeah. Katie? Yeah. So Charlotte's story hasn't changed mm-hmm. over the years. Charlotte yeah. pretty much says this is what happened. Beverly's story is the one that has changed. Um, but 
I don't know how long Charlotte dated Bo after this happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't really get a good timeline on that, but mm-hmm. couldn't have been too much longer because then he was got arrested and went, yeah. went to prison. Right. But Bo is no longer alive for us to ask him anything now. Mm-hmm. He died in he died eighteen years ago. Mm-hmm. So um I can't imagine I know that I am not a detective. There there are many things I'm not. I usually tell you on the show. Yeah. <laughs> you it know comes what up. I'm not. I'm not a detective, but I can't imagine not talking with everybody who who had been at that mm-hmm. home that day, especially not talking with someone who was there when this happened. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I wonder and maybe we won't know, but I wonder if the Floyd County Police was in charge of that investigation, if it was the Rome City Police, was it the Floyd County Sheriff's Department because all three of those uh entities exist today in in Rome, Georgia, in Floyd mm-hmm. County, and I assume they did back then. So I wonder what the jurisdictional issues were. It would have been the sheriff was there, so. Yeah, okay. And, the department's a lot smaller at It's the time. really, they probably <clears throat> were both there. They probably shared resources because this happened on Maple Street in Rome. Okay. So we're in the city limits, but, in, in you know, not a lot of, if these are not giant departments. I mean, they're yeah. a lot bigger now than they were. Then. Well, I guess one but, thing that I would contrast it to, this happened in 74, right? Yeah. So six, seven years later, when Lisa Ann Milliken is abducted from Riverbend Mall in Rome, one of the one of those parts of the story that is it's hard to say a positive, mm-hmm. but the Rome Police Department was really on top of absolutely. They had a good investigative team in place at the time, and they were very uh, active about finding out what happened to Lisa Ann Milliken. Yes. So I wonder if well, and in the Joey Watkins case, you know the Rome police department first starts getting involved it wasn't until the county got involved mm-hmm. that all the uh, issues or they mm-hmm. claimed that the issue started right. was yeah. when the county got involved and i guess it depends on who the police chief the is sheriff you know, you know. You know if, if a new sheriff gets elected and he wants to hire a couple of investigators that maybe mm-hmm. the department didn't have, maybe that's something that somebody ran on when they ran for sheriff down and, the road and there is a whole rabbit hole that you go down just on the sheriff alone lynn garner okay not surprised to hear that. Probably yeah. an older guy, been around since the 50s, worked his way up through the department. I'm just guessing. Mm-hmm. And that's probably where you get some of those accusations or suspicions of... Coercion and influencing just, testimony. He, People yeah. don't like Lynn Gardner. He's doing law enforcement the way it had been done for the previous 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. And you talk to people who understood. remember this time back in... They don't... Okay. They are not a fan of Lynn Gardner. Got it. Not surprised to hear that. So that's a whole nother yeah. thing. If you want to look that up, um, whatever. I don't think probably at the time you had to have any law enforcement savvy at all. To, if you, you or I could run for sheriff. Mm-hmm. Hopefully the voters wouldn't be stupid enough to elect either of the two of us. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah. Kelly Turner. <laughs> but I, I don't think there's any requirement really. Yeah. Like no, the well, city doesn't, <clears throat> hire, the city hires a police chief. He's got police training. Yeah. So here's what I think. I, I as far as Gary's guilt or innocence, you know, I don't know. G- right. Gary maintains he did he didn't do it. He says he just doesn't remember the night. Mm-hmm. I tend to not like that as an excuse. I don't remember, mm-hmm. but I do know that it is a thing. I mean, people have sure. blackouts, especially when you have alcohol involved. Blackout drunk is a thing. It is a thing. So I'm told. So, <laughs> so but what I do know is. 
his trial was a joke mm-hmm. in a circus. No doubt. And the fact that he was not granted a new trial was not justice. A travesty. It's not justice for grace. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, not let's not even, forget the victim. Right. And not even questioning Bo Salmon, who, who the GBI believes was involved in seven to eight murders. Oh. At the time, you know, this wasn't known. But, but still. It, it really doesn't matter how many people Bo has or has not killed at the time. He was in the home. Mm-hmm. He was there. Why would you not question him? Yeah, and this, was it Bill Buffington? No, that's the, that's the defense attorney. Yeah, but, but is that, was that his name? Bill, his name right? yeah. <laughs> anyway, that guy shouldn't have a license. He should, he well, should he, be on this show because he should not be a lawyer. Well, he's dead. He's passed now, yeah. He passed uh, not long after the trial. <clears throat> See, that's oh, yeah, another that's right. reason I don't understand why they wouldn't just give him a new trial because it's not even, it's not even like there was an attorney, like his reputation or license or anything to worry about. Right. Yeah. And so Gary claims that he has a copy of, of Bill's death certificate and about nine months after the trial, he died of cirrhosis. So that checks out if don't, if him don't forget. Drunk. And you said this, that was an appointed attorney. So mm-hmm. obviously uh, Gary Reeves could not afford his own attorney. Correct. So, he, was, he was given this guy. So he didn't have the money to go out and hire a new defense attorney. No, I mean, Gary was not, Despite the travesty of, right. of the trial. Right. Um, Gary, you know, he, he he worked in bootlegging and then worked at beer joints, but it wasn't like the level of organized crime. It wasn't raking in that kind of money. So right. he's not a wealthy man. Yeah. So Well, I'm confused. Now I have to go listen to this other podcast. <laughs> well, this is the one I won. If I had gone down all the rabbit holes, we could have had easily four or five episodes. And we're just not in the business of doing that here. But I wanted to call everybody's attention to it because I do think it deserves its time. And I do want to encourage you to dig into this more and and see. I think you should have made it two parts. Because <laughs> now I'm confused. <laughs> Sorry. And I don't know that in two parts I could have answered any more of your questions. Yeah. I think I have mm. given you all of the facts. The rest is just going to be speculation. Why do I feel like the only dummy in the room today? Because every time you say something, Katie goes, yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. <laughs> I feel like you guys both know what the hell's going on and I don't. No. Uh, oh, I just now, haven't accepted the, thing, the fact that we're not getting answers. Here's okay. the thing. Well, I have not yet. Okay. Investigative. I'm trying to get my mind right. You want to be an investigative journalist? Uh, it sounds like Gary, a lot of work. Gary Mitchum Reeves is still alive to this day and lives just a few miles from here. All right. Give him a call. Okay. See if he'll talk to you and uh, get You're going to be so surprised if I come back in about three weeks. Follow me. And you know what he's going to say? I don't remember. <laughs> well, he'll probably, he, he's very talkative in his interviews that I've listened to. Okay. So I think he'd be happy to talk with you and, okay. and clear it up if you want to, if you want to do that. I'm going to give you just enough time to forget that you <laughs> dared me to do it. And then I'm going to do it. Okay. I think. I don't think anything any fan of this podcast would be would have a problem with that. Okay. If you wanted to talk with him and then see if he could answer any questions for you or enlighten you anymore. I tend to believe in his innocence because of the way that he was released and mm-hmm. then commuted yeah. and then pardoned. And uh, I personally apologize to all of our listeners out there who are driving to work today and are now swinging over onto the right side of the road and knocking over mailboxes in frustration <laughs> that they don't know more about this case. 
great job. So, imagine how good. Gary feels. I mean, really, <laughs> really? it's it's um, you know the, on a lighter note. If if you know if we did have a somewhat, it's not. It's a happy ending for Gary that he is out mm-hmm. because that wasn't necessarily justice. But we don't really. Grace doesn't really have justice, right. and that's what I feel is feel terrible. It's yeah. just terrible when this kind of situation happens when you have a terribly investigated situation there's no justice for anybody yeah, and that's really the only thing that you have left to get right as we've talked about many times on the show when what's this horrible thing has happened all you can do is hopefully get some justice for the victim in the case in yeah. the crime and when you Gra- can't even grace do that was not Grace doesn't have that. Then the whole in my thing opinion. was pointless. The whole investigation and the trial, if you can't get to the one thing that matters, because you can't bring that person back. Right. But, and let's say Bo did that and Bo's dead now. I, I, I still don't feel like there's been justice for Grace because it was not properly yeah, investigated. I agree. Mm-hmm. So terrible. I hate to leave everybody on that, but I am glad that Gary. Is not is not still just rotting in jail? Yeah. for this. Yeah. Yes, yeah. He didn't spend. Somebody I mean, tried spent, to do the right. You thing. know, if he's innocent, he spent entirely too much time because any time is too much time. Yeah, but yeah. One seven day is years. Too long. Seven years is and never just weird. Not going before a parole board and mm-hmm. and he was what when he went to jail he was twenty seven years old so he spent his half his twenties and half his thirties in jail. Yeah, well, those are the good years. Katie, don't yeah, I told you. No that. doubt. No <laughs> doubt. All right. Well, thank you, guys. That's it. Sorry that's, about the. Uh, uh, now that's fine. You've got me curious about. I'll have to go listen to that other podcast now. Go check it out. Undisclosed. Undisclosed. Season three. I don't know. It uh, just has it his name in it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, listeners out there, don't forget to go to Facebook. I went there this morning and checked it out. We've got some new followers. Yay. You can go to our website, True Crime on Easy Street. Dot com mm-hmm. and learn some more things about us. You can get one of the three t-shirts we have left in the box over here. <laughs> uh, let us know about that. And go on to your favorite podcast platform. Say something nice about us, especially if it's Apple iTunes. We can shout you out on the show. But we love it when you listen to us on Spotify. Yes. That's our you. favorite place. Thank you. Anything else today, guys? Is That's that it? it? That's Are it. we done? We're done. Good night, everybody. 